I'm a going fishing, Mama's going fishing, and the baby's going fishing too. Bet your life your sweet wife's going to catch more fish than you. Taj Mahal I am ashamed to report that back in 53 my parents were not as scrupulous nor as affluent as they are now. Upon learning that their riverside romance had ignited an inexorable series of metabolic transformations in Ma's belly, they drew up a secret pact. Due to the incompatibility of Sears' Roebuck fishing gear to endorsement money, they would proceed as if Nijinsky had been the conquest of H2O with his cremated cane rod, 2X tippet, and name-brand equipage, and Ma would forever hold her peace. Thus, the steelhead's gaping treble-hook wounds were described as evidence of an earlier run-in with a less skilled angler, and the repeatedly fractured skull and popped eye were attributed to an overdose of adrenaline coursing through the veins of the conquering, conking, hero. Official photographs and measurements were taken, the corpse was mummified and hung over the fireplace, and H2O unabashedly cranked out one of his patented how-to-land-a-lunker stories full of useless tips for fly-fishing rookies and ill-disguised hints that Nijinsky would never have met his demise were it not for such-and-such brand rods and reels and lines and boots and hat and creels and undershorts. Within three months of the Deschutes River episode, they collected enough endorsement money to finance a hasty wedding and two-week winter steelheading honeymoon on the Rogue River. H2O's idea being that the rogue trip would soften Ma's desert ranch to Portland suburb culture shock, but might still wean her of her homespun ways. He could take some photos and dredge up a few articles if the fishing were any good, maybe something like Fly Fishing Bride or Love and Lunkers on the Rogue, thereby allowing the trip to pay for itself. The only unforeseeable problem was the weather and if it should sleet ceaselessly, so much the better for consummating the marriage ad infinitum beside a cozy fire in their suite at the lodge. Such was the plan. So much for plans. The Rogue River Fishing War at least served the traditional purpose of the honeymoon, for honeymoons are intended to seal the union of bride and groom till death does them part, but whereas we imagine the usual chemistry of such excursions to be a uniting through corporeal and spiritual familiarity, a sharing of meals, scenic wonders, wines, and bathrooms, of kisses, caresses, and inane little foo-foo names, my parents enjoyed no such chemistry. Their honeymoon was more fusion than union, the resulting bond not that of lovebirds, but of a tough metal alloy. The effete angler and the raucous cowgirl were the materia prima, the rogue river, the crucible, worms and flies, the catalysts, angling the white-hot fire and a marriage that has stood the tests of time, backbiting, frontbiting, hells, high-waters, and haymakers, the resulting compound. Because of the extreme bias of the war's two survivors, I can only list those events which they agree took place. Number 1. H2O's efforts to instruct Ma in the hallowed art of fly angling met with the most invisible species of success, achieving a kind of catharsis 
when the instructee's reluctant attempts at false casting left a number four hump tulip's halyon dangling from the lobe of the instructor's ear. Number two. To atone for the ear, Ma chucked her fly-fishing equipment, a costly wedding gift from H2O, far out into the royally waters of the rogue and returned to the seers, crane, and cable. Number three. Entrenched like European war troopers in their respective styles, my parents proceeded to grimly ply the waters while the honeymoon degenerated into a two-man fishing derby. H2O denies there having occurred a contest, but pictures of him in his 1954 Outdoor Life article, Roguish Steelies Love Brightly Colored Flies, reveal the face of a man strapped to a bullet-pocked wall. Hollow eye sockets, stubbled beard, strained grin at the Kodak he adored. It was a contest.